fundraisers. I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up once again for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you're going to pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations, and we're going to chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore some hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Super excited I am today. I'm kind of fangirling, to be honest with you, to introduce um, our next guest. Really such a great thought leader and I think going to help us dive into the pulse of fundraising, which is really hard to do right now. But please, Raise Nation Radio, welcome Barbara O'Reilly to the show. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Hey, Don, I'm delighted to be here. Oh, it's so great having you. I was actually looking forward to this because I know if anybody's going to give us the pulse and the 411 on what's going on with fundraising right now, um, it would be you. But before we get there, uh, I'd love our audience just to get to know you a little bit better, your background. I think everybody knows you at this point, but let's just do the, the elevator pitch just for, you know, all time's sake and just let our audience know a little bit more about you. Of course. Um, Thank you. So uh, I'm a career fundraiser. I've been fundraising. uh, This is the only thing I've ever done uh, in my professional life. Uh, And it's been um, such a fulfilling and uh, enriching experience to be able to raise money for organizations of all kinds doing such important work. Uh, I spent the first half of my career or so in-house in big organizations, universities and national and global organizations. And uh, then I've had my consultant Windmill Hill Consultancy, Windmill Hill Consulting for the last 13 years, uh, where we work with organizations to help them get the tools and the confidence and the resources that they need to raise more money to do more important work. And where are you based out of? Based out of D.C. Oh, okay. But but you have um, customers all over the country, correct? We do. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Can we get into it? I mean, I know that fundraisers, that they always need to be planning and growing short-term goals, short long-term goals, anticipating what's next, mm-hmm. um, exploring the future of fundraising, whatever that may be. But mm-hmm. how are we doing that right now? It's a little cray-cray out there. It, 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 and just because the pandemic is kind of sort of in the rear view mirror, meaning like we, we, we got our masks off, that doesn't mean that things are settled down in, in any way, shape or form. What's, what's your take on all that? Yeah, it's... Um... It's it's been a wild ride, and it feels mm-hmm. like we're constantly recalibrating uh, and reevaluating. And I am not going to say that p word, but pivot that we <laughs> all were saying in 2020. But it's it is this constant um, uh, uh, circle, if you would. And I, I think um, I had a friend who called it um, pirouetting. I think is what she used. Pirouetting. Okay, that's a new p word. We'll use yeah. that for the next two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we've got. Um, Aside from the global health emergency that I think we are still in, in some degree, we've got social issues, we've got political issues, we've got economic issues that are all sort of swirling around simultaneously. Uh, and we we are gearing up for... Um, We've got inflation that's well entrenched now. We are anticipating a recession 
which when I think about the good old 20, good old early days of the pandemic, they were, analysts were, were anticipating a recession then uh, at the end of 2020 into 2021. But for clearly we've got a recession um, and the stock market, which has been doing nosedives up and down like a roller coaster. So we've got all of these things that are causing extraordinary stress and pressures and um, uh, demands, both on our fundraisers, our nonprofit leaders, and on our donors. So we have to just remind ourselves that these are extraordinary circumstances again, over and over again, uh, since 2020. And But we fundraising can't stop. So even though donors might be saying, hang on, the, the I can't make a commitment of this kind because my portfolio just dropped, you know, by 15% or, uh, you know, the, the rising costs of inflation and cost of living are causing me to rethink my budget or how I'm making my philanthropic choices. We can't assume what our donors are going to say, and we can't stop fundraising. So the, a little conflict there, though. It is, right? But Here's the thing, if we, for the organizations that stopped fundraising in the early days of the pandemic, they found themselves struggling even more to gain that, regain that momentum that they lost by not staying connected to their donors. The donors we know were, and we saw record year in 2020, we saw a continued extraordinary generosity in 2021, but particularly for 2020, those organizations that paused and didn't stay connected, didn't communicate with their donors, didn't keep asking in the way that they needed to, not always, but in that sort of cycle of asking, uh, they had a harder time regaining. uh, In 2021. For sure, because donors were giving in record numbers. So they were giving, they just were not giving to to the organizations who stopped communicating to them. Well, let me ask the hard question as a nonprofit, if you want to continue to nurture your donors, you know, through the pandemic and maybe recognize that they can't give now, they're going to give later, that still disrupts important funds that you need just to keep going. It can't it, it can't be all about the, the nurture, you know, not not all nonprofits can, you know, hit the pause button, you know, put the brakes on, say, OK, maybe we're not going to fundraise right now, but we're going to continue to to nurture, that just might not be realistic. So how do you balance that conflict and keep going, keep the lights on? You keep asking, you definitely keep asking. So you might recognize in some of your language in either uh, appeals or one-on-one conversations that there are extraordinary circumstances that are, that may or may not affect uh, a person's ability to give. You might just put a very general statement of this is the moment in time that in which we're living, but not asking also um, deprives the donor of still continuing to support the important work that they have already identified with. Um, So you've got to keep, you know, keep asking, not over asking, not every communication has to be a solicitation, nor should it be. But in that constant um, uh, authentic, these are the challenges we're facing. These are the ways we're adjusting our work. These are the extraordinary increased demands on our services, on our uh, client base, on the work that we're doing. This is where we need you 
your donor partnership to help continue supporting our work. That that's where we had the biggest mistake fundraisers can make and nonprofit leaders can make is to assume we know what the answer that our donors are going to say. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And going dark. Uh, we've heard that time and again. Yes. Just not an option. Exactly. So let the donor say no too much. No, not now. Um, no, th- not that initiative. And to, but still ask. Put the because they they. If they have been supporting you in the past and they believe in your mission, they want to know where they can be most helpful now. So I've had the opportunity in the last couple of months to kind of work on a special project that I I can't really fully disclose right now, but I'll disclose part of it. it. It talks about you can't control the events going on around you. It's kind of a stoic way of thinking, but you can control how you react to them or or the actions, you know, what, what you take. So what should fundraisers be doing right now since they can't control it? They, they can't control what's going to happen, you know, at, at the White House or with the next wave of COVID-19 or the, 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 the economy. A lot of things that they just, you know, can't control. So what I heard you say was keep asking and and pace that the right way. What else? What else can fundraisers be doing right now since they really just can't control all of this yeah. stuff go swirling around them. Yeah. So um, I am a big believer in the value and the importance of planning as well. In 2020, my firm and um, uh, Donor Search and Bloomerang co-sponsored uh, some research that Dr. Adrian Sargent did with uh, through the Institute of Sustainable Philanthropy because we wanted to know does um, having a development plan actually have a correlation to fundraising success? We have anecdotal knowledge and we sort of assume right there's a, there's that assumption, but there was there has never been um, a more in depth uh, analysis into that correlation. And so we launched this. Um, we had been talking about it. We've been planning it. And when we were trying to launch, it was in March of 2020. And collectively, we thought, do we pause on this? Because the world seems to be crumbling around us. But we decided to continue with that survey. Like it was a global survey. And we added a couple of questions about COVID and how uh, fundraisers were going to be viewing it. And again, this was early days. So say March to about June, July, I think is when we closed the survey. What we found was that those organizations that had a plan were felt better prepared for weathering the extraordinary times that we were starting to find ourselves in. They felt like they knew they were anticipating reduction in revenue and philanthropic revenue, but not nearly as much as what we saw those organizations that didn't have a plan. So there was um, the, the act of having a strategy in place, having a sense of um, uh, of forecasting and uh, an intentionality to and a consistency to their fundraising activities in all the ways, so annual and, and major gifts and foundations and corporations and so forth, events of some sort and so and appeals, all of that, they were able to weather more more confidently uh, than those that didn't. And so right now. Despite the way to gain regain control over what we can is to get a handle on 
What are our core metrics? How are we really doing in our fundraising? So are we donor retention is one of the biggest metrics that you, you know I always speak about. What are our donor retention rates? Um, what are our first time donor retention rates? So likely we saw you know, the organizations have seen a lot of first-time donors come in through the doors over the last two years. Are we keeping them, right? Uh, what are our um, upgrade, downgrade um, values? So are donors increasing, decreasing their gifts? Are they staying about the same? These are all important metrics to then be able to say, what, uh, how do we keep them? You know, how do we build and, and build our retention, build our upgrade plans, and how are we going to do that? So what's the calendar of communications? How many appeals are we going to send out? How are we going to work, fundraise more smartly by segmenting differently or by um, using multi-channel communications and not just digital or analog or print? Uh, so thinking about all of that, that's the way we can control things. Because if it feels like, if every week feels like a free fall in a, in a whole series of reactivity, it, it's going to be, it's going to exhaust everybody. And we're already all exhausted and, and already all burnt out. So the value of doing some hard analysis, putting a plan in place, if your organization doesn't already have one, or it, taking a, a little temperature check, how are we doing against our plan? Do we need to course correct? So here we are June 30th um, with six months left to 2022, do we need to do any make any adjustments so that we can end the calendar year on a strong footing an even stronger footing these are the things that have to be done and i know having been in house having worked with now with many organizational leaders having feeling like you can carve out an hour or two hours to really do this planning um, analysis and planning plan writing feels like a luxury but in fact the study, the research has shown us that those organizations that took the time to do that are much more confident in, in adjusting and navigating turbulent times and actually over the long term do raise more money. I love that. And I love just the data behind it or any type of data driven, you know, development, you know, the fact that planning has not anecdotally, but proven by research determined that your future is just a little bit more stable. Um, here at One Cause, we have a, a brand new research study out and um, it noted that uh, trust was a huge factor, especially in the up and coming generations. And also that millennials and Gen Zers were giving and giving um, maybe just as much as the mature folks. So relying on all of this data and planning accordingly and having a plan could really, you know, at least control, catapult and, and control yeah. you know, this, and, and maybe um, meet, meet head to head with what you can't control. So um it's great that, you know, people like you and people like us are putting that research out there. Nonprofits should maybe pull that in and take it to heart and, and plan against it so that they're a little more better footing. I think it's also fair to say that sometimes we just need a little help mm -hmm. and not getting that help. Um, you know, nonprofits are frugal by nature, right? Don't want to always spend maybe on technology or consulting, but let's talk about consulting because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, it just might be the right time, right? Just to say, 
I, I need help. I just, I just, I just need help. You know, my storytelling, my impact, my, my personal journey just is, is, is wonderful. My desire to build better tomorrows and to, to impact the communities might just not be enough. And let's rely on some consultants and bring somebody in and, and the ROI could be just value, extremely valuable to that org. So what should a nonprofit look for if they're going to get help? When should they get help? What's the the W's, the who, where, why, what, when, and how, and what to look for in a consultant? I'm sure you can help our audience understand, navigate that a little bit better or that decision. Yeah, so um, I would say that the value of having a, bringing on a consultant at any stage of an organization's fundraising journey is that we can provide external perspective. So we are not entrenched. We can be objective and um, no bias, no bias and bring a fresh set of eyes to scenarios. Um, We also have many consultants, not all, but many consultants have um, uh, uh, you know, and when we certainly place a great deal of emphasis on professional development, so we are always learning and seeing what else is out there. Um, so I know, you know, the, um, the many of the studies that you all have done, one cause has done, um, the study I just referenced, um, that we co-sponsored the, uh, there's a ton of research out there now, and that's, um, where we can, we have the the ability to be able to sort of read it and analyze it and know what's out there because, and I know this from having been in the trenches, when you are doing the day-to-day stuff of, you know, trying to meet goals and build donor relationships and manage up, down and sideways in, in a nonprofit, taking the time to actually read read anything that would be um, helpful to your job is something you do like on your commute when we all commuted, right? It was just on your commute uh, to or from home. So we can bring that expert, that that wider lens uh, and that wider perspective. Um, so that's the benefit then, because you you fundraising doesn't happen in a vacuum. As we just started this conversation talking about, how do we navigate all these external factors that are hitting us um, all at once and see consistently all at once? So that's the value of bringing on a consultant is to have that objectivity and that unbiased perspective and the the more um, comprehensive set of information about what is happening. What's the landscape really like? Uh, and how does this organization fit into that or not or can learn from? Um, you know, we work with organizations sometimes to do development assessments where we're getting uh, a sort of a, a finger on the pulse of what's happening with that organization's fundraising. So we might do data analytics. We might do wealth screening. We're going to do a lot of discovery to get to know that organization inside and out so we can really understand what what their fundraising current state is and where are those opportunities. We, we will use the data analytics uh, to inform where those opportunity markets are, where are the um, areas that they should be focusing on in that planning um, uh, stage that I mentioned that helps to identify for fundraisers 
what are the areas that they should be focusing their very limited staff time and bandwidth? So those are the areas that, you know, often we'll, we'll do a, a starting point there. We provide, you know, we can provide coaching and training for fundraisers, for executive leaders, for boards who all have the best of intentions and they want the organizations to succeed, but admitting that you might not feel comfortable in fundraising or knowing how to fundraise. Um, those are things. That's that we, a big one right there. Yeah. Um, we, and, and so often fundraisers, career fundraisers, we all know, we know what has to get done and we sort of dive right in and start at the work, but a board member, although they may be as successful as they are in their personal and professional lives, when they come onto the board, they don't have the first clue what has to happen. What? How do they leverage their board role? They're not career fundraisers or even no. fundraisers. Same exactly. thing with donors, you know, because there's a big push for... Um, it has many names, DIY fundraising, ambassador yeah. fundraising, yeah. right? And and I think intention alone is, intention is great, right? Yeah. I have the best of intentions as a donor, as a mm-hmm. board member, the best of intentions. We're going to do this. I'm going to raise X. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. I'm successful in business. You know, the list goes yeah. on. Yeah. But then day one, it's, whoa, hmm, what what is this fundraising? What am I supposed to be doing? And it's really, I think, um, difficult for the nonprofit because they're, well, you know, you promised that you committed that. I don't see you doing this. I don't see you doing that. Why, 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 why? When they just really are not fundraisers or career fundraisers and they just need a little coaching and, and assistance. Um, on how to go about this job that they've committed to or the side hustle that they've committed to. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's where we will, we can offer that training and the expertise and we can help to support the fundraisers so that they can do their jobs well and better, uh, better and better each day. We can help to understand uh, where to, where they might strengthen their relationships between staff and leadership. Um, And then on a, um, and then we can provide that ongoing, you know, sort of sounding board. The uh, other areas when, when organizations, you know, we often think about, organizations of hiring consultants just to do campaigns or um, uh, sort of the larger efforts. But in fact, having a bringing on a consultant for a different parts. So even if it's just to do the temperature check, or even if it's just to do the board training, or even if it's just to have them coach, to be ongoing as a coach and, and a support, those are equally as meaningful because having that external perspective allows the fundraiser uh, or fundraising team to not feel like they have to have all the answers. Uh, and often it will provide that additional support because when I was in-house, I know for sure there were many things that we would say to our, you know, a sort of up, up, down and sideways. And then the consultant would come in, say the exact same thing. And it was like, it was magic. And magic. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it, in some, often I, we will be asking, what is it that what are the things that you need to have said or need to have heard that we can help amplify? We are always thinking about how the how to support the um, the integrity and the reputation and the and the success of the fundraising team uh, first and foremost because we know how often fundraisers are overlooked, how often fundraising teams are not as invested in, are not as sort of regarded uh, because frankly that's just the state of the profession. Um, yeah. 
I, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> we'll have to have a, a part two episode with you about just diving there. But I love the I love the approach that you take. You really go deep. You really rely on data so that it guides you. Um, and I, I just like the idea of integrating everyone who's touching the nonprofit mm-hmm. should be coached in how to fundraise, whether it's a volunteer board member donor support, you know, and everyone should be. And I really think I see such a value that that's, that's a big job. It's just a big job, but such, there's such ROI there. Imagine if everybody you touched a volunteer all knew the basics of fundraising. You can be in the gross, you could be a volunteer for an organization, but be in line in the grocery store, strike up a conversation and immediately put your fundraising hat on. Mm -hmm. Um, So if a consultant can come into my organization and help me do that globally with and integrate everybody. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful, especially if you're letting some data drive you. So I love, I love your approach, but what about the future of fundraising? I mean, if I'm a nonprofit and I'm thinking, okay, you know, giving Tuesday end of year campaigns, capital campaigns, my event program and and event fundraising, social media, my social calendar, my social content, my DIY supporters who want to to do fundraising. And now I have all of this new stuff like AI and uh, crypto and donate stocks and bequests. And uh, am I just drowning like every day? Like what, how do I pick and choose what to do or where to go? So first acknowledge that you can't do it all. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Who could? I just rattled <laughs> off a million things. I mean, I'm glad I'm sitting down. So, I, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Here, no, no, no. Oh yeah. To the audience. I apologize. I just got you all so nervous. You're doing your workout or driving your kids to school. And I, pro- they probably just shut me off right at that sentence. Sorry about that. But, but Barbara's going to help us through it. But you are absolutely right on. And, um, and I will say, I mean, it truly it, you have to think about, um, what are the right fundraising tactics and strategies for your organization? It isn't going to be everything. Um, And what we know, for example, just looking at the Giving USA report that was released last week, you know, of the 485 billion, about 15 billion came from mega gifts. So, you know, we've seen this rise of mega gifts since about 2018. And we have also seen the erosion of um, everyday donors, the sort of 500 and below, we've seen the erosion of those donors since 2018. So we have to ensure that the fundamentals of regular communication, of regular asking in the right cadence, not over asking, but in the right cadence of really analyzing what have been the most, the more successful ways of raising money for our organization and from which kinds of donors and stick with those. Because if anything, over the last couple of years, we've seen the fundamentals of building donor relationships, staying of, of, of strong and consistent donor communications have, and multi-channel have stood the test of time. So we can, um, if an organization is feeling all this pressure to add everything else into the mix, it's going to get diluted. It's going to get confused. So start with doubling down on the fundamentals and then seeing, okay, where can we add to? So it might be 
adding in peer-to-peer and, and other and other crowdfunding like you know Facebook fundraisers or other peer-to-peer fundraising um, efforts, right? So maybe that might be another way that you might start to socialize it with your donor audience. You might also think about um, other uh, other kinds of currency, so crypto or pay, adding Venmo and PayPal, which are increasing in, uh, especially for millennials and Gen Zs, they want to have that as a payment option. So are there uh, other, other ways of giving, other gifts that you can accept uh, or payment options that you can build in? But I would say, do not feel like you need to have everything into your fundraising plan um, strategy. And that's actually where the benefit of the plan comes into play because you can put it all out onto paper, see how what your cadence, what your communications calendar is, when your appeals are gonna go out, which segments you're going to be really focusing on for upgrading and um, particular you know, major gifts, foundations, corporations, peer to peer. You can put that all out and see, it is this comprehensive enough? Are, do, are there gaps? All the other things that we're hearing about, you know, stocks and crypto and and um, you know, uh, Venmo, other pay, other payment options, can are those easy fixes? Can we add those without additional, exp, you know, expertise that we need on the on the staff level? Start stay with what has been working. But I caution by saying, let's not rely on that, what I like to call the death by six words, which is we've always done it that way. Oh, ouch. Yes. If it hasn't been working, don't do it. So uh, this is the time to jettison it because everyone is pulled in so many different directions. We can't continue to do the things that aren't going to work. So uh, it comes back to the planning, I guess, right? And, And do a couple of things well instead of doing a ton of things, maybe halfway and then, and keep growing, but, but plan it out just, Mm -hmm. and, and me, and, and a consultant can help you do that too. Um, not that, not that this was an endorsement. This just happened naturally, right? You and I didn't talk. As a matter of fact, we opened this before we started the episode recording. You were like, well, you know, what do you want to talk about, Dawn? I'm like, oh, I don't know, Barbara. Let's just see where it takes us. So none of this was planned. It just kind of, you know, happened naturally. But I, 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 I so believe in getting help when, when you need um, some help. So let's go in a different direction. What have we learned? What did the past... <laughs> two years and counting, what did that teach us that we really should take to heart, put it on a post-it, stick it up on our wall and read it every day? What did we learn? We learned that our donors were ready to step up time and time again, despite all the madness that we were, that were, that was around us. So we have to trust that our donors are ready to help us uh, just, it, it, even though we may feel like their answer is going to be no. So we have to trust them. Uh, we saw this in the record numbers, uh, the record amount that was given in 2020. We saw, um, you know, a record, an, a, you know, increased amount again, 485 billion that was contributed in 2021, uh, which again show that donors were still continuing to step up. We have to trust them. And so we can't assume they're going to, they're not going to support our work. We also can't assume that it is for donors in either or scenario. Clearly in 2020, with the emerging global health needs, with the increased um, human services needs, with all of the other, uh, with the um, the in, in calls for social justice, uh, the overdue calls for social justice, with the political climate in which we were finding ourselves, we saw giving surge in those areas. But 
for donors, for many donors, it wasn't, I'm going to give to those and not to the charities that I was supporting pre-pandemic. It was a both and. Uh, and we definitely saw that in 2021, that those verticals within the sector that saw dips like arts and humanities, a little bit like education, they sort of leveled out in 2021. So we have to trust our donors are going to, if they, if they, if this organization was important to the donors before the pandemic and, and, you know, um, and even in the early days of the pandemic, it will continue to be important to them because we know that giving is so deeply personal. So that's what, one of the things I would say, the other is that we have to, we can't retreat. We can't put our heads in the sands. So again, despite everything that's going on, our, our work is still important. Our work still matters. Our work has to continue at, as our, at our organizations. So keep fundraising uh, and, and let the donors decide. Uh, those, are, I think, are the two biggest takeaways that I probably the third I would say is that nonprofits really rounded the tech corner most quickly in 2020 to and beyond. And I know you all have seen this so well. We, we, we were talking about this. I presented at Raise 2020, uh, vir virtually, of course, um, about how we make sense of you know, AI and tech tools and, uh, and other resources that pre-2020 had felt inaccessible for many nonprofits, had felt out of reach, maybe, maybe out of their budgets. But we have seen such great use of technology, whether it's through um, pl social platforms like Facebook, which topped the $6 billion mark now, uh, like tools like AI, which have been able to do some analytics. We use that in our, um, in our assessments to help to understand trend lines, to understand uh, where are the best segments for, for fundraisers to be focusing on, where are you? Where do you find the best prospecting uh, using the, all of these powerful uh, AI tools and, and predictive modeling? These are the things that can help fundraisers over time and help them to be more raise, fundraise more smartly. Um, and th these three things, I would say, are the are the biggest uh, lessons. Yeah, uh, and I I think it's so important that we really continue to move forward and and to your point plan so that we don't find you know we have to be prepared for everything and anything mm -hmm. if, if nothing else this past couple of years taught us just you have to be yeah I would have never predicted any of this uh, no. even when I was in it did did I see some of the twists and turns coming I just kept being gobsmacked right so yeah. that makes the planning even that more important um so I, I, I think, um, I think you're speaking the truth. I love what you're saying. Um, and I can't believe it's been, I, I feel like I've been talking to you for two minutes and it's been more like 40 minutes. So we're probably going to have to have you back for, for a part two. It's just so interesting. You're, you're, you just have such a pulse on this industry and how, you know, we can, we can move forward successfully in, in a, in a planned way, but I want to fit in one more question if you don't mind. And if you have the time, what is the future what, what, what would you say the future looks like for fundraisers? And um, are you hopeful? Is it promising? Is it still a hard road? All of the above. Just give us some of your predictions for the future. I am, um, I am an optimist and I'm not a Pollyanna optimist, but I am an optimist. I have seen, I've been in this, in this sector for three decades and I have seen uh, such incredible 
um, such incredible results at, because of the power of fundraising. Um, and so I, I am hopeful and optimistic uh, for nonprofit, for the nonprofit sector, for fundraisers in general, but I, it is going to be a hard road. And, um, uh, but if we if it's anything we've seen over the last two years, fundraisers and nonprofit leaders have demonstrated extraordinary nimbleness and resilience and grit that has been uh, ex- extraordinarily important and needed as we have collectively navigated all of these turbulent waters. So I am, I remain optimistic that we will, as a sector, emerge out of this. It's going to be a tough road. And I hope that nonprofit leaders, especially, and boards uh, place the emphasis that they need to on the mental health of their staff because oh, I love that. are getting tired. We're all exhausted, right? And if we aren't taking care of ourselves and our staff and our fundraising teams, especially if we are placing more and more demands on their time with, little, with fewer and fewer resources to do their job well, we are going to see even more of a resignation out of this sector. We already started seeing it pre-COVID where many fundraisers were getting fed up with boards that didn't know what they were doing and telling the fundraisers how to do their jobs with CEOs and EDs who didn't doing the same thing or not wanting to play a role or feeling like they should play a role in fundraising and not investing the budget that they needed to do their jobs well. Staff, resources, you know, tech tools, all those things. And we're not talking extraordinary budgets, but if they continue to view fundraising as a cost center and not a revenue center, and they stick with this, we've got to just keep 20% of our budget for you know as little as we can to admin so everything can go out the door. We're gonna we're gonna lose even more uh, and just then compound it with the collective trauma that we've all experienced. Fundraisers have been showing up every day raising money for their causes. 100 percent Yeah. We'll lose them if we don't put and we're- we're on the same team, exactly. board, volunteers, yeah. donors, supporters, admin, we're, we're on the same team. So exactly. the, oh, you don't know how to fundraise. Oh, you don't know how to be a good board member. Oh, that needs to stop immediately because we, if, if we have the right coaching and the right tools and the mm-hmm. right training so that we're all good stewards of the mission, we can all get back on that same team and, and win the game together. Um, so important, such great advice, Barbara. Um, and and interesting that you picked you picked that out. Um, let's make it easier for our audience. I know we have to wrap, but could we make it easier? I I'm sure anyone listening right now is oh I've got to give Barbara a call. Um, and I'm going to ask for selfish reasons. I run a nonprofit with my daughter Liz, and I'm like oh wow, Barbara's making some good points right now. We probably so how do we get in touch with you? How do we find you? I know it's kind of easy. You're all over the place, but um, do you mind just sharing that um, how people can reach out to you? Of course. Uh, so Windmill Hill Consulting, it's whillconsulting.com uh, is the, the um, website for our firm. And I'm on LinkedIn uh, and you can find me there. And I'm on Twitter uh, as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on both. But LinkedIn is really uh, is the is the more pro- is the more professionalist. But I don't I can't share funny animal videos on LinkedIn. So I, I do it on Twitter. <laughs> 
There you go. It's a good combo. One compliments the other. Um, it's so lovely having you. Um, I can't wait to see you again, talk to you again. I know this is going to keep evolving and plans need to be made. So we're going to probably have to have you back on Raise Nation Radio to talk about the planning, the future and everything in, in between. You're such a delight. And um, for our audience who's listening, um, if you need help, it's okay. Um give Barbara a call. There's no one better. So we so appreciate having you. Any last words of inspiration or advice or anything else you want our fundraisers and our audience to hear or know? I just want our fearless fundraisers to know they're doing, they're doing a great job. So despite all the challenges, all the criticisms, all the frustrations they may be feeling, they are doing important work. Um, and I, I heard this on uh, an AFP international conference many years ago, where they described fundraisers as dream brokers between missions, the missions of the organizations and the donors who wanted to see change in the world. And I thought that was, that just blew me away when I heard it. Um, and so just remember that you're doing important work and you, and the sector needs you. So yeah. Keep going. And we're here because we applaud you and we exactly. thank you. And we wouldn't be doing what we do. I here at One Cause and, and Barbara at her firm. It's because we believe in you and want you to succeed that we're doing what we do. Exactly. So um, that's a great point. We're going to have to have you back, Barbara. Thanks again so much. Thanks, and to Fearless Bob. Fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. I wish we had more time, but thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursdays, 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. And in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you'd like best. We stream on 11 channels and on demand at onecause.com. Fundraisers are doing amazing things. Thought leaders are giving us their great insights. Um, we're, together, we're building better tomorrows for our communities. You won't want to miss um, a single episode of Raise Nation Radio. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Be sure to check One Cause out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for broad catalogs of ebooks, webinars, on-demand, blogs, infographics that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks once again to my lovely guest, Barbara O'Reilly, for sharing um, a very expert and authentic voice. Thank you again, Barbara, for being with us today. Thanks, Don. It's really been a pleasure to chat with you. Well, that is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. Oh, 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 oh,